Welcome to Living With, a podcast about the stories and people behind Health Union. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. In this episode, we meet one of our prostate cancer advocates, Will. Yes, I'm Will Jones. I live in San Luis Obispo, California, and I'm part of the prostatecancer.net community. Can you tell me when you were first diagnosed? Uh, I received my diagnosis in March of 2017. And how did the diagnosis impact you? Um, I would refer to it, I think I mentioned it in one of my articles, as kind of a shoulder slumping experience. Uh, It's the last thing that anybody wants to hear, that they have cancer. And so uh, initially it was... uh, yeah, it had a big impact. Um, I suppose because I knew a little bit about prostate cancer before I got the diagnosis, just because I did some research between um, going in for my biopsy and getting the results, just to you know know that the treatability of prostate cancer, but nevertheless, just finding out that you have cancer is a, is a difficult thing to hear. Yeah, I I like when you wrote in your bio. I've often heard that if a man lives long enough, he will most likely contract prostate cancer. It is one thing to anticipate cancer and another thing altogether to have it. Exactly. And that's one of the issues that I've brought up in my articles is what I I refer to as this misperception in the world, I think, at least in my experience, about the severity of prostate cancer. I refer to it as people think of it as, as, as cancer light. And I'll tell somebody about my diagnosis right in the past when I was when it was current, and the response would, "Oh, prostate cancer! Every man's going to get it!" Ha ha ha! And I'd say, "Well, first of all, that's not true. That's a myth. And second of all, uh, it's I have prostate cancer. So um, when you have it, it's a, regardless of what that reality might be, what everybody's perception might be. There's nothing light about that diagnosis not, not, at all." How did you educate yourself about your treatment options? Well, mostly I did that through uh, resources that were provided by my doctor and then also going on the Internet. But um, my, let's say, my research intensified quite a bit when I joined a, a support group that for, for prostate cancer patients that is uh, part of one of the local hospitals here. And when I got in the support group, um, I just my knowledge of of the disease and the resources and the treatments kind of started to grow exponentially. So it really opened my eyes to what the options were, and it, it got me into looking at all kinds of uh, possibilities for treatment. Because the cancer was contained to the prostate and graded as a less aggressive cancer, when he was first diagnosed, Will chose active surveillance an approach that involves closely monitoring a patient's condition without giving treatment until test results show changes. During active surveillance, patients receive regular testing, including the PSA test, which measures the amount of prostate-specific antigen. When PSA scores go up, it can be indicative of the cancer growing. Will also refers to the Gleason score of his cancer. Gleason scores refer to how closely the cancer cells resemble healthy cells. The more different cancer cells look from healthy cells, the higher the score and the more likely they are to be aggressive. 
for a long time I was on active surveillance and I wasn't sure that I was ready to, to have treatment. I wanted to continue to monitor my condition and I had a biopsy coming up and uh, prior to that I had a PSA, a quarterly PSA and my PSA jumped up to 8.3. My Gleason score was a 6 so I was kind of in that you know, could lean one way or another, stay on the surveillance or go with the treatment or another kind of treatment. And the 8.3, and especially with my experience with the support group and sharing that with my the people in my support group, um, you know, they were beginning to say, it's, it's probably time for you to consider other treatments. So I looked at proton therapy, I looked at photon therapy, and then I thought about the, the radical prostatectomy. And I was... You know, all of them have potential side effects that aren't pleasant. So, you know, those those concerned me. And so for a while I was pursuing the, uh, the proton therapy, which for me would have required going to out of my area for an extended stay and really an elaborate process. But just I, I just had an intuitive thought at one point, uh, so I was literally was walking my dog and I was considering all my options and it just hit me that, hey, I've always gotten great medical care here in my community. I have a doctor who has done a thousand of these procedures. He tells me that I'm a good candidate for it because of my level of fitness and my weight and all that. And so I just, I kind of went with my intuition and um, decided to go ahead and have the, the prostatectomy. And it's, it gives you a greater guarantee that they've gotten all the cancer. And since they didn't, hadn't detected any uh, cancer in my bones or in soft tissue in my body around my prostate, so they were pretty certain that it was contained. So I knew that having the prostate taken out would probably uh, rid me of cancer. Prior to his surgery for prostate cancer, Will had a very active lifestyle, including hiking, backpacking, and rock climbing. After surgery, Will has been coping with side effects from treatment, but has been getting back to being active again. Initially, it was just the recovering from the, the physical reality of having so much work done in that part of my body. And, you know, when I came out of there, the surgery, I was a little bit shocked by the way I looked. My, my you know, I'm a... I'm uh, like 5'8", I weigh 140 pounds, and you know, about the same as I weighed when I was in high school, and all of a sudden I had this giant spare tire around my waist from the air they pump into you, from the incisions that they gave me, that's five incisions, and it was really uh, uncomfortable for the first two or three weeks just dealing with that reality and just the sense that so much work had been done in that area of my body that a lot of healing was necessary, so I had to really take it easy. Um, of course, I was restricted by the fact that I had a catheter for a week, and then once that was taken out, I immediately had to begin uh, the new normal, which is is the incontinence, and had to start wearing uh, Depends, briefs, and then over time transitioning to uh, guards, which are adhesive and they attach to the inside of regular men's briefs and then at nighttime I use what they, they call a shield it's lightweight and thing is that incontinence is affected by gravity so when you're vertical and you're moving that's when you're going to have the most impact with it when you're horizontal sleeping or just sitting in a chair and you're partially horizontal you're not going to have as much 
So uh, at nighttime, I found that I could I could just transition to the light shield and not have to worry about it. Um, so in terms of restricting my activities or changing my life, um, obviously for quite a while I wasn't able to do the things I enjoyed doing the most and uh, climbing either indoors or outdoors. Too much stress on my core. And then um, I find that I found that long hikes, for instance. Uh, really caused me really more link, uh, leakage with uh, with the incontinence. And so even like today, I was out on the coast and I went for about a four-mile hike with a friend of mine, and I'm still dealing with that issue of more incontinence while exercising. So I don't, I'm not sure when I'm going to get back to the things that I enjoy the most. I've been climbing a few times, but I was beginning to worry because it felt like it was having an impact on me, and I just stopped until I'm going to see my doctor next week and and uh, talk to him about where I'm at. In addition to the physical side effects, prostate cancer and its treatment cause significant emotional stress. It can be a little demoralizing sometimes. Somebody asked me if it's depressing, and I said, "There's a, in my mind, there's a difference between depression and demoralization. Uh, depression is a is a much more you know, serious matter. I just get every once in a while, kind of get that shoulder slumping demoralization, like, oh, man, how long is this going to last? Am I ever going to be able to do it again? Um, I think that there's a, a kind of, uh, almost a kind of grieving that occurs because you're losing something uh, that you may never get back. And that's related to both continence and to the ED issue as well. How, how do you cope with that, the demoralization parts of it? Well, um, you know, that's an interesting question because uh, it, it hits me at different ways at different times. If I'm busy, if, I, if I'm active, I'm, I don't have to worry about it. I mean, I've got enough to do and keep me busy that most of the time I'm fine. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just, I'm just doing what I do. And then I'm okay, but I, I find that uh, when it bothers me the most is if I'm alone for an extended period of time. For instance, I'm retired, but my wife's still working. She's going to retire in four months. So, you know, I'll have some afternoons when I have more free time um, by myself. And, you know, then some of those some of those feelings will, will creep in, that little bit of demoralization, a little bit of uh, sadness uh, just about my condition and wondering if, you know, it's, if it's going to get better. Um, but by, for me, the best way to keep that at arm's length is just to be as active as I can be, both physically, intellectually. The writing's been great. Um, getting out and hiking, it's really good for me, just being outdoors in general, working in the yard. Um, you know, all the things that people normally do in their lives to deal with uh, any kinds of issues that might be a little demoralizing or even depressing, you know, Activity and, and maintaining fitness, um, I think, are really important uh, for dealing with things like this. What has your experience with prostate cancer taught you about yourself? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's um, <laughs> and I, I don't know, again, this is not gender specific. I can't speak for women, but, you know, there's a lot, men always have one foot in, in still being a teenager. You know, we still think of ourselves as being young and active and vital and all of that. I mean, there's a there's kind of a, a boyishness in all men that I think it's hard for us to get rid of. Now, that, now not, we don't necessarily want to do that, but I, I think it's, 
it's just accepting the reality that, um, you know, I've, over the last few years, I've had a variety of health challenges that have made me realize that, you know, I'm not 25 anymore, you know, that I'm 69, almost 70, and that uh, there are some limitations to, to my body, um, what I can do, and I have to accept that this is the age when things begin to happen. So it, in a way, mentally, it's prepared me for whatever else might come down the road. I hope nothing soon, thank goodness. Um, and then uh, I guess the other thing is that it's also made me look at things like my diet and my my exercise and just make sure that I'm consistent with a good diet and good exercise so that I can you know, prolong my life as much as I can. And so I guess part of it for me is just this acceptance that this transition is occurring and that uh, I have to accept some of the limitations that I have. But I, you know, but it also makes me realize that I, I still want to push it a little bit. I, I don't want to get too safe. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I still have that part of my personality that wants to do the next 14,000-foot peak in the Sierra. I'm never going to let go of that. So tell me a little bit about how you use the site prostatecancer.net. Well, as an advocate, obviously, I'm I'm writing for um, prostatecancer.net, so I've been submitting articles, I think, about one a month since last January. And then um, as a moderator, I just go on to see what's going on within the community and responding to what's going on in the community and then also I'm just reading the articles because I find that I still am learning a lot about prostate cancer by reading the articles, either the ones that are posted by advocates like me or by, um, by staff members of uh, PC.net who are doing research and presenting articles. So, you know, I'm on there a couple of times a week uh, in one of those capacities, either just reading to learn or reading to moderate um, or checking out my own articles when they get published and, and, and responding to replies that I get from people. What has it meant to you to be a part of this community? Well, I, I just think it's wonderful. I mean, especially with, with, with the Internet that, you know, I can sit in my little office here in San Luis Obispo and write about my experience, and it has the potential to get out to I don't know how many people and uh, who who read the articles and can learn from my experience the fact that it that i'm a lay person i'm not a doctor i'm not a researcher i'm a lay person who has gone to, is going through this experience and it's going to be going on for a long time that i can share that openly and freely with others and and be of service in that way uh to me and, and and knowing that that anybody who goes in there can find my articles and read about my experience, and uh, I'm, I enjoy writing. I write for a local magazine. I'm a retired educator. I was an English teacher, uh, so it gives me an opportunity to use the skills that I have uh, in order to uh, you know share my experience with other people. And you know, I want to have a specific. I want to have a personal voice in my articles. It's important for me so that people who read them. Um, they can connect with a, a human being, you know, a real person who's out there going through this. And so using my experience, using humor, whatever it takes. Um, you know, when I wrote in my last article that I've learned that you can have an orgasm without having an erection, who would have thought? I mean, that's a big deal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, um, 
And, you know, I don't know, people might be shocked when they read that, I go, yikes, that's too much information. But to me, it's quite a discovery. <laughs> and um, so, I don't know, it just makes me feel like I'm part of a really powerful uh, community that, that can be of, uh, of help to other people, uh, other men and their families, because I know it's not just men who read these articles. And uh, so I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm making a really positive contribution in this particular area. Um, so I, I, and I'm, I, the feedback I get from Shana and from Nina and the, the, just the, the whole tone of the website and health union in general is so upbeat and positive, you know, that it, it, it really, for me, it, it is a bright light in my life and it could be a bright life in anybody's life given some of the other stuff that's going on in the world today. You know, it's, it's not always easy to wake up and read the news or watch the news and, and have to kind of deal with some of the realities. But to me, health union uh, and PC.net is one of those, it's, it's, it's just one of those uh, experiences that, that shows you that there are people out there who are, positive and who are supportive, um, who really care. There's a tremendous amount of optimism. Um, so it's, it's almost like an antidote to some of the other stuff that's going on. That's how I see it. And it, it reinforces my, my desire to participate in that, you know, and being part of that PC.net community, um, just makes, makes me feel like, okay, this is an area where anybody can feel good about what's going on. Here are people that really care. When faced with a major health issue, it's natural to just want to move past it and get back to how we were before. Will has found a way to have peace and acceptance, even in the midst of challenges. You know, I think that for me, what I've accept, one of the things I've accepted in this, in this whole experience is I, I, call it a, I call it having hope without having expectations. I think that's a big leap for anybody to make. You know, we want to have an expectation that something's going to be taken care of or solved or fixed in a certain amount of time with a certain amount of treatment. And I think that uh, it's important to have hope. And I have hope that that eventually some of these, first of all, I'm so grateful that as far as I know, I don't have cancer anymore. So the goal was accomplished. Uh, I had a PSA test tomorrow. I go to see my doctor on next Wednesday and I'm expecting that I'll, I, you know, it'll be undetectable. If it's not, it's another issue. But, you know, um, the, the thing for me is that um, I've, 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 this, I'm in this for the long run. Uh, if, I, if I get short-sighted about all this, then it can become, I think, much more challenging to deal with it. But um, I put this in the context of a, of a full life of experience that I've had. And, you know, I have no regrets about the life I've had up to now, all the experiences I've had. I mean, everybody has a wide range of experiences, but, you know, I don't, I'm not sitting around saying, uh, okay, gee whiz, because of this, there are things I'll never get to do. Um, but I, you have to have the long view on something like this. You know, I expect to live for a long time. And, um, and so I, and I have to understand that this recovery is going to be a long-term process as well. And that, you know, I may have to access other resources in order to get where I want to get to. So I think short-sightedness can be, you know, the enemy of recovery in a disease like this. Um, 
take the long view and just kind of have a level of acceptance that um, is going to be, I think, in the long run helpful in, in, you know, in the recovery process. And the other thing I would just say is that it's really important for anybody that's involved with prostate cancer to fight that perception that it's not a big deal. Um, that tears me up just sitting here. Yeah. To think that there are people out there who have prostate cancer and for some reason other people don't take it seriously. Uh, and I don't know how you fight that perception, but I think that's something that PC.net and Health Union in general are specifically pc.net can help fight that perception because uh, it's a life-changing experience regardless of whether or not you go from radiation or the prostatectomy. It, it changes your life when you get a cancer diagnosis. And uh, I think prostate cancer is, of all the cancers out there, it's the one that I think people seem to have, you know, when you tell somebody, like I said before, there's not like this... There's not the same reaction somehow. Oh, you're a man, you're almost 70 years old. Yeah, you're going to get prostate cancer sooner or later. Well, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, let me let me change your thinking about that. <laughs> I, so, um, I think you are yeah. helping change people's thinking about that by sharing your story. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I really oh. enjoyed what you said about having hope without expectations. I think, thank you for that, because I've learned something differently about my healing as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and we don't know. I mean, we don't know what's going to come next. So the, the hope, allows, hope, I think, opens the door for possibilities we're not even thinking about. I think expectations is we're putting conditions on things, you know. Mm. And then, then you... Then you're, you're kind of narrow your choices, I think, your options. I think you have to be open for anything. You know, I, sometimes when people ask me about my experience and I say that, you know, if I, if I use my hand and I say, I can, I can, my experience can be like a clenched fist, my experience with prostate cancer. I can, a closed clenched fist with this experience. And, or I can turn my hand over and open my palm and have an open palm about this. And I choose to do that, you know, rather than to have this clenched fist about the whole experience. It's not always easy, and, you know, there are days when it does want to clench up. But if you can visualize that, then I think that's, I think hope is more the open palm. Uh, it may not be a clenched, expectations may not be a clenched fist, but I think it, it can lead to terrible disappointment, mm-hmm. you know. And that, then that just, that just multiplies the problem for you. Throughout his diagnosis and treatment, Will has had the support of his family and close friends. The last thing I, I really want to say, I make sure that I say, is that, you know, I've been so fortunate to be in a wonderful marriage for 37 years now, my wife and I together. I can't say enough about uh, support from a spouse or a uh, significant other, whoever that may be, however long that relationship may have been going on. But for me, I just feel so fortunate to have my wife's support on a daily basis. And uh, and my sons, too. My boys have all been great. My friends, my whole family. I'd like to thank Will Jones for sharing his experience and perspective with me. To read Will's articles and join the conversation, visit prostatecancer.net. 
You can find other health communities at health-union.com. Thank you for listening to Living With. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Blueberry.